podcast from Jewish Quest. My name is Simon Eder, and each week I'm joined by a special guest who helps us to deconstruct the week's parsha, exploring new insights and meaning in the Torah. We are delighted that our guest on this week's Between the Lines podcast is Dr. David Frankel, who has served as a senior Bible lecturer at the Schechter Institute of Jewish Studies since 1992. Dr. Frankel earned his PhD at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem under the direction of Professor Moshe Weinfeld. His publications include The Murmuring Stories of the Priestly School and the Land of Canaan and the Destiny of Israel. From 1991 to 1996, Rabbi Dr. David Frankel was Rabbi of Congregation Shevat Achim in Gilo in Jerusalem. Rabbi Frankel, a huge welcome to Between the Lines podcast, and we very much look forward to hearing your thoughts. On Chaye Sarah. Thank you very much. The parasha, Chaye Sarah, is a parasha that really presents the city of Hebron at the center of national significance. Hebron or Hebron. This is the site which, according to the parasha, this is the site where Abraham purchases the Ma'arat HaMachpelah, the cave, and he buries Sarah. And later on in the Torah, we read that he himself is buried there by his sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And even later in the book of Genesis, we hear that Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah are all buried in this one cave of Machpelah by the city of Hebron. And this makes this location, Hebron, which was in the heart of the Judean hills, a center of national significance. It is the place where all of our patriarchs and most of our important matriarchs are buried and therefore is of central significance. There are several indications, somewhat subtle, however, that this idea of the Arat HaMachpelah, of the cave by Hebron as a national burial site of all the great ancestors is really a late construction that developed at a late stage in biblical history. And I think it is important to deconstruct, so to speak, or unpack how this idea of Hebron as the signal burial site of all of our patriarchs and matriarchs developed and was constructed at a relatively late stage in the development of biblical literature so that we can appreciate its nature as constructed history. So, as I said, there are certain subtle indications of this constructed nature, meaning that this isn't the way the story of the patriarchs and matriarchs and their burial was always told. So for one thing, it is really, to me, significant to note that the story of the cave of Machpelah at Hebron 
is never mentioned in the entire Bible outside of the few references to it in the book of Genesis. Nowhere in the book of the Psalms, nowhere in the historical record, nowhere in the prophets is this idea of the patriarchs buried by Hebron ever mentioned at all. The place is never mentioned. Not only that, Hebron, Hebron is often mentioned outside of Genesis, but never is it mentioned that that is the place where the patriarchs are buried. Now, this is kind of odd. If this was the burial place of all of our patriarchs and matriarchs, it's such a central idea. One would think that it would be reflected somewhere in the Bible outside of these few references in the book of Genesis, but it is not. And the rabbis were sensitive to this problem, to this gap, and they tried to fill it in. And I'll give you just one example of how the rabbis tried to fill in this gap. According to the story of the spies, which comes later in the book of Numbers, when the Israelites reached close to the promised land, they were told to send out spies to check out the land. And one spy in particular, by the name of Kalev, went to Hebron. Now, the rabbis wondered, oh, Kalev, the spy, goes to Hebron. What is he doing there? It must have been, the rabbis surmised, to go to the Ma'arat HaMachpelah, to go to the cave of the ancestors and pray at the ancestral graves of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the matriarchs. And Kaleb, indeed, was a good spy, one of the good spies in this story. So he must have gone to Hebron for that purpose. The problem, of course, is that even though Kaleb is said to have gone to Hebron, there is no mention of him going to the Ma'arat HaMachpelah. There is no mention of the patriarchs at all in this story, and certainly not of their burial place. So this silence, this complete ignoring of this whole tradition throughout the Bible, and all the times that Hebron is mentioned in the stories of King David, where he makes that his capital before he moves to Jerusalem. Never is there mention of this founding idea that the patriarchs are all buried there. All of this has to mean something. And I believe that this shows that the tradition of all of the patriarchs being buried in this site is a very late and tradition, and one that did not gain much traction in ancient Israel and did not gain acceptance until a much later period. And this can also be seen from another part of the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 50, verse 5, these are the words of Joseph to the king Pharaoh after Jacob had died. My father had adjured me, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I hewn for myself in the land of Canaan. There you are to bury me. Now, 
Joseph continues, I will go up, if you please, and bury my father, and then I will return. And notice what Joseph says that his father Jacob had told him. Jacob had said, in my grave, which I had hewn for myself in the land of Canaan. Now, from other verses, such as Genesis 33, 18 to 19, we can see that what is referred to here is not Hebron, is not Hebron, because Jacob did not hewn, did not dig the cave of Machpelah that was purchased by his grandfather Abraham. Jacob apparently is referring to a totally different burial site, and that is the burial site which appears to be in Shechem, because in Genesis 33, verses 18 to 19, we read that Jacob bought and dug a plot in Shechem. And now in chapter 50, we read that Jacob asked his son, Joseph, that Joseph should bury Jacob in that plot in Shechem. What we see from these verses is that there was a totally different tradition about Jacob's burial. Jacob was not to have been buried in Hebron but rather in Shechem, Nablus of today. And what is the difference? Nablus or Shechem is part of the northern kingdom of Israel, whereas Hebron is part of the southern or Ju capital of Judah. So what do we have here? We seem to have here an early northern tradition about Jacob's burial and a later Judean attempt to say, no, Jacob wasn't buried in Shechem in the north. Jacob was buried down here in Judah, in Hebron. This is another indication that the entire idea that all of the patriarchs together were buried in Hebron is really a late creation. And there is one final piece of evidence which I would like to just allude to. It requires really a lot of study, but in a very brief manner, I can mention the story of the spies that I mentioned before. The story of the spies, as I said, speaks of Kalev, the good spy, as the one who went to Hebron. Now, Hebron is in other places referred to as a Kenizite. A Kenizite is really a foreigner. And the story of Kalev's arriving at Hebron, Kalev the Kenizite, arriving at Hebron in the book of Joshua serves to explain why Kalev the Kenizite gets to own the city of Hebron. Why does he get to own the city of Hebron? Because he, this Kenizite, was a good spy, and he went to Hebron, and he nonetheless said, we can conquer it. And so he gets to be the owner, the inheritor of Hebron, even though he is not a real Israelite. He is a Kenizite. This, for those who would 
look it up, is told in the book of Joshua, chapter 14, especially verse 14. And I believe, and I would suggest, that this story of Kalev the Knizite who gets Hebron indicates that the Israelites were well aware of the fact that Hebron, which eventually became a Judean stronghold and the center of Judah, this Hebron was a city that had foreign roots and foreign traditions and was not a city with ancient Israelite roots. Now, how do you turn a city that has ancient foreign roots, that is known to be a Kinesite center, how do you turn that into part of the heritage of the people of Israel? One of the ways is to say that all of our ancestors, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Leah, they were all buried in this ancient city, in this ancient plot. And therefore, our connection to the city goes all the way back to the very origins of our nation. However, as I said before, this entire idea seems to be relatively late as it contradicts some other traditions of burial, such as Jacob being buried in Shechem, and it is never mentioned anywhere outside of the book of Genesis, even when Hebron is mentioned. Why is all of this significant? Why is it important, in my view at least, to deconstruct, so to speak, the idea that all of the patriarchs were buried in the city of Hebron, I would say that it is important because often stories from the Bible are given political meanings that can be interpreted in simplistic ways, and there can be attempts to translate biblical narratives into contemporary realities. What has to be realized is that not everything that is told in the Bible is totally historical, that these historical narratives have a history to them, and that they are constructed at specific times in the history of Israel for specific needs that existed in those times. The historical awareness that we can have about the biblical stories allows us to have a certain emotional clarity and distance and objectivity and rationality. Not every story about our history has to be taken literally and replanted into today's political realities. We have to realize that these stories have their own histories, their own agendas, and what should be done today has to be considered from a broader and more sophisticated perspective. Thank you very much. Rabbi Frankel, thank you so much for your words and illuminating a new layer, I think, for many people as to the complexities that lie behind the text. 
I really wondered whether you might be able to share how this approach has been met by people who are maybe surprised by these kind of findings and how you advocate that we might continue this work, particularly with those who might struggle with some of the conclusions of what you're discussing. Okay, well, thank you. I I have to say that there are times when I've related these ideas, particularly about Hebron, about Hebron and the constructed nature of some of the traditions about our ancient roots in Hebron, and, and that, as the song goes, it ain't necessarily so. Some people have told me, well, please, if what you're saying is correct, just keep it to yourself and don't tell anyone about it. So this was obviously from a certain political perspective of certain people who have political commitments and would like certain aspects of the text, which don't fit into their political agenda, to just sort of like, okay, Rabbi Frankel, just keep that stuff to yourself. It's not something we want to make public. Of course, I would say that all truth should be made public, or all understanding of truth should be made public and ambiguous about it. What we're really talking about is the connection or meeting between the Bible and contemporary politics. That is what I am alluding to here, okay? Because the city of Hebron, Hebron, is a city that has a tremendous amount of both religious and political power and significance to it. And in the political realities in Israel today, we have many Israelis who take the biblical narrative of the story of the Ba'arat HaMachpelah, of the cave and the burial of the patriarchs and matriarchs, very literally and very seriously, and believe that since this is a fundamental part of our national heritage, therefore we must translate that into contemporary political realities, meaning controlling the city of Hebron and settling it and, to a certain extent, filling it with Jews so that it can be a central part of the Jewish heritage today. In other words, they take the biblical narrative, literally, and seek to translate it on the ground into political facts. And what I am trying to say is that one should be more sophisticated in understanding the biblical text in understanding that the narrative of the patriarchal burial places is a constructed text, is a late creation, that earlier traditions told the stories differently, that it was produced at a specific time for specific purposes in the past, and that we should not simply and simplistically take the narrative at face value as historical truth, and then say, we must translate that into political realities today. How do you do that with people who are not willing 
or able to approach the Bible in that way, I don't know. But I do know that there are people who are open to learning, to listening, to thinking, and to rethinking their presuppositions. And I believe that developing a more sophisticated approach to the Bible not only allows us to appreciate the Bible more accurately and more deeply, but it also allows us to deal with political realities today in a more responsible and careful and considerate way. Rabbi Frankel, thank you so much for all your thoughts around Chaye Sarah and for guiding us through with such clarity and insight. If you enjoyed Rabbi Frankel's insights, please do check out some more of his articles on thetorah.com. And if you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, do find out more about all of our exciting content on our mothership, jewishquest.org. We very much look forward to seeing you again next week. <laughs>